Once again, we're talking about legal issues with the folks over at JDSA Law to discuss an important yet often misunderstood aspect in family law. We're talking with family law attorney uh, Jordan Miller. He joins us here on Coho 101.1. Good to see you. Hi, Clint. For folks who don't know you, uh, of course, you've been a lifelong resident of the North Central Washington area. You're a, uh, you grew up in Chelan and make that your home. And of course, you do business here in Wenatchee. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm an old goat. Fantastic. Fantastic. Does the, uh, it looks like the, uh, the uniform, the basketball uniform probably still fit as well. <laughs> Keep yourself in shape there. I hope so. Let's talk a little bit about family law here. And and getting that aside, obviously, we're going to talk about uh, separations, divorces. It's a sensitive subject matter. So uh, let's go through this with as much sensitivity as we can. You just want to wade right in there and talk about temporary court orders. Um, what exactly is a temporary court order? Well, it's, it's a tool in family law that allows the parties when they initially start a case to gain some certainty, to gain some understanding of how the case is going to progress at the initial stages and assist them in in maintaining, if you will, the status quo uh, during the early stages of a divorce. Let's go through the when and the why. Uh, why exactly is it issued during a divorce? Well, at the onset of a divorce, one party or the other starts the case with a petition and a summons. And at that juncture, nothing's decided. We don't know who's going to live where. We don't know where the kids are going to stay. We don't know who's going to pay the health insurance bill, who's going to pay the utilities. The temporary orders are issued at the beginning of the case so that we can sort those things out and make sure that, well, nothing falls through the cracks. So, Jordan, what exactly do you need to consider when we're talking about issuing one of these court orders here? You know, first and foremost, we have to determine what's at issue in the case. And the most important thing to people going through this process initially, of course, if it's applicable, are their children. And that's the focus generally of where we try and organize our our primary orders. Again, we have to decide who are the children going to live with. And once that's determined, how often are they going to see the other parent? Um, Who's going to be responsible for transportation? Who's going to take them to basketball practice, football practice, et cetera? That's, that's a, Well, that's probably the most important consideration for folks at the onset. Some cases don't involve children. And then really what a dissolution is all about is separating property issues. And again, who's going to reside in the family home, who's going to be responsible for automobile payments. Those types of issues are all things that are covered. I am assuming here that those property related issues are easier things to suss out the shorter a marriage is. Now, is that generally the case or am I am I overgeneralizing here? No, you're, you're not overgeneralizing. Of course, it's always a fact specific case and each one is unique to itself. But generally speaking, in Washington state, a shorter marriage is something that's easier to figure out because the court doesn't look to long term considerations, but rather looks back to see where were these parties when they started into this marriage? And if so, can we put them back in roughly the same position that they were when we, when we came into it? Let's talk about spousal support here. Who pays for what? How does that all get sussed out? Again, fact specific, but generally speaking, depending on the length of the marriage, the court will look to the relative incomes of the parties. And if appropriate, will require the spouse who earns more money to help the other spouse through the initial stages of the divorce. And then depending on the situation, maybe uh, step that up over a period of time after the divorce is finalized. Talking with Jordan Miller of JDSA Law Firm, let's go back to the kids for just a second, because we kind of glossed over the whole child support thing. Um, How exactly does that work? Well, child support is fairly simple to calculate once we understand the income available to the parties, the ages of the children. Washington State then puts it through a formula that spits out a number at the end. But uh, 
part of that process that has to be factored in is understanding those additional things that aren't just what's your income, what's the formula say, health insurance, extracurricular activities, special educational expenses, all of those things are factored into establishing the order of child support and, and determining what that amount's going to be and to whom it's going to be paid. So that's really where not only negotiation, but but looking at uh, looking at each individual circumstance where that comes into play. Absolutely. And that's that, that's the fundamental truth of every family law case. Jordan, let me ask you this, because it sounds like, OK, so we're talking about, um, you know, child related issues, custody, properly re- property related issues, temporary spousal support. All of these seem to be having some sort of framework in a matrix in a you make this, you should pay this, that type of thing seems fairly cut and dry. But we all know that divorces are never really cut and dry, especially if emotion gets involved, any negative emotion, these things can turn nasty and drawn out. So where's the discrepancy there between it's cut and dry and oh my God, this is taking forever and nobody's happy. When we're talking about property, something important to consider in Washington state is the fact that the court is supposed to reach an equitable distribution of the assets, liabilities, assignment of the debts and responsibility for servicing those debts. And equity fundamentally comes down to fairness. And not surprisingly, people in a dissolution action may disagree about what's fair uh, vis-a-vis the other spouse. So that's that's how property issues can become complicated and require court action and a decision from the judge. Fair is not the same thing as equal. Absolutely not. Okay. We're talking with Jordan Miller with JDSA Law. As we get ready to wrap things up, anything you want to add, anything that we missed before we let you go? Well, uh, when you're thinking about going through a dissolution process, understand that it's going to be an extraordinarily difficult time. And if you're going to take the appropriate step and seek out legal counsel to assist in that process, you need to understand who you're dealing with. What's their motivation? How do they approach the case? And make sure that that individual fits with what your needs are and, and can help you as a partner to bring this case, although it's difficult, to a resolution that you can accept, move forward on, and, and begin that new chapter in your life. Also, I just have to throw this out there. There's always the cliche of the divorce attorney that just wants to keep racking up those bills and just tries to keep stirring the pot. Is that a cliche or are they really out there? They exist. They exist, Clint. That's a reality of of every profession, I'm sure. Some people um, have different motivations. But at JDSA Law, our goal is to give our clients the best possible services. And if that means that we can bring a resolution to something so conflict-driven as a divorce without making it a long, drawn-out, and expensive process, we'll take that route every time we have the option. If if folks want more information or they want to talk to you, where can they do so? You know, the best outlet is JDSALaw.com. We have links to all of our practice areas, individual attorneys, and contacts. You can reach out to us at any time through that website at jdsalaw.com. Jordan Miller with JDSA Law. Thank you so much. Thank you, Clint.